our graduates are really standing at the threshold of, of a true, truly new beginning. Um, and I was just thinking as I was preparing for this morning, as we're all in the mindset of graduation and new beginnings, I know um, just hearing the news of our graduates graduating took me back to uh, you know some of my graduations. Um, and it, it just conjured up those memories of me of really knowing that I'm about to walk across a stage and, and I knew there was some, for me, there was some confusion. Uh, there was obviously excitement and joy, but there was also, I didn't really know in all of those moments what I wanted to do or what God's next step uh, for me in life was. And I wanted to take this opportunity this morning, since all of our minds are really kind of focused right now on graduation. Um, some of you have seen the graduates this morning, but uh, many of you are going to be going to graduations or are recognizing family members or friends that have graduated too. And I want us just all this morning to be able to think about the new beginning, um, the new beginnings that Christ offers us. Because if you think about it, He's really the creator of new beginnings. I mean, really, there's nothing that God does that's old. Everything God does is new and fresh. And He is literally the God of new things. And in our life, we know that even though we may have graduated a year ago or or 10, or 20, or, or 70. Maybe we never graduated from, from school in, in the same sense. But we have graduated through life in general. And, and I want us to think about those new beginnings, look at where we are, and be able to embrace this next chapter, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you, with Christ. And I want to go back to one of the men who had probably one of the most striking new beginnings in the New Testament. I mean, outside of the Apostle Paul, this guy was, had a remarkable calling, had a tremendous encounter with Christ. And it's not tremendous in the sense that the Apostle Paul's was tremendous. Paul's was tremendous because he got to see this vision, he got to see Christ and, 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 and saw this glorious image and, and got to converse with him as part of his conversion. So it's not, it's not awesome in that sense. It's awesome in how small it is. It's remarkable in how simple the story is and the call that God placed on the life of one of the twelve that He originally called to be one of His disciples, which is Matthew. And I want to invite you to open with me to Matthew, or excuse me, to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five and Matthew. The story is also told in Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through thirteen. Matthew chapter nine, verse nine through thirteen is his own account of his conversion. Oddly enough, we're going to read Luke's because Luke's is a little more detailed. Don't know exactly how that happened, but Matthew's account is not even quite as detailed as Luke's is. But I want to read, um, as we pick up this story in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Pay close attention or you may miss it, okay? After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, 
Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Did you catch the call? I mean, it would literally be as though Matthew is here. This is Matthew. I'm Jesus walking by. He's sitting in the tax collector booth and I say, come, follow me. And he comes and follows me. That quick. It happened according to the Gospels, according to Matthew's own account and Luke's. It happened in a split second. And I want you to think about this. This morning there are three things I want to go over in this new beginning with Matthew. And the first was, this new beginning came suddenly. There's really no record of any lead up to this. Now granted, Matthew could have, uh, Matthew whose name also is Levi, Matthew could have heard Jesus speaking before. I mean, as Jesus was in Capernaum and in that region quite often, uh, no doubt Matthew could have heard his teachings before. He may have even encountered him at a previous moment. He may have encountered people who encountered Jesus. We don't know. All we're left with from Matthew's own account and Luke's account is that Jesus walks by this place where Matthew, the tax collector, is working, and Jesus says, clock out and come follow me. And he clocks out and comes follows him. You know, I was thinking about this. In fact, I was talking with Bree about this as I was preparing for the message. Oftentimes in the ministry, we are sharing the call of God with people. We are sharing the plan of salvation. And I know many of you as believers share the plan of salvation with other people. And as you share that, they often sometimes, well, they mull it over and they think about it and they ponder it and and sometimes it's a process i mean it can be a year or years before that person says okay i'm ready to follow christ i am ready to give my life to him as savior and lord and i'm reminded in the scriptures that didn't happen that often if you go back and look at the gospels it really didn't happen that often where people encountered christ and really had to mull it over it was typically an immediate yes or no, now I'm not saying it doesn't mull over. Early on in, in one of my, in early, early in my ministry career, um, I ran into a little girl. Her Sunday school teacher came and asked me. She said, Jamie, I want you to meet with uh, this little girl, and she's been asking me questions about salvation. I would love to meet with her right now, but I got a class full of kids. Could you talk with her for just a moment? I said, sure. And I brought her out in the hallway, and we sat and we talked for a little while. And I said, uh, you know, went through the plan of salvation with her. And I said, would you like to receive Christ today? Would you like to receive him as your Savior and Lord right now? Start a brand new life with him. And she looked up at me and she said, uh, yeah. Just like that. Just like that. Uh, yeah. Like I was dumb or something for even proposing the question. So I went ahead and I prayed with her and I led her to the Lord and I walked back home. And, and that evening I was walking back to church and all day I just really struggled with that. I, that that I, I presented it to her and I asked her about it and she said, uh, yeah. And I couldn't really wrap my mind around it for a while, but God gave me peace. God really consoled me in a moment when I was really questioning that because I had realized that most of the people I had encountered in the ministry were adults. And I would share the plan of salvation with them as clearly as I possibly could. And, and, and they would either say, well, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, we'll talk about it again sometime. I realized that they had either all of these preconceived notions or barriers or hindrances that were keeping them from being able to respond by faith to the call of Jesus Christ. And yet I look at this little girl 
I looked at this little girl who heard it, believed it, and with childlike faith accepted it. And I realized, wow, what a, what a great thing. What a great thing to be able to hear the gospel, to believe it, and to respond to it. Luke or Matthew gives me hope in that it was simple, in that it was a noun and a verb. What to do and who to do it to. Jesus said, follow me. Really simple call. There wasn't this long list of things. There wasn't a long list of items that Matthew had to do before he was able to follow Christ. And if you think about it, from a religious standpoint, there were a lot of things he could have needed to give up before he followed Christ, we would think. Tax collectors were as despised in their day as they are today, I would think. But despised for different reasons. You see, the tax collectors in Matthew's day were known for not only working for Rome, which no good Jew would want to work for Rome. So from other Jews' perspectives, those who worked for the tax collection agency were considered to be sellouts. And they would sit in their little tax collector booth and in Capernaum, which was a a bustling area, no doubt this man had a lot of transactions coming his way. They would realize what they owed to Rome in taxes. But yet on their side of the desk, they would look at that and say, okay, they owe this much to Rome, and and I'm going to add a little bit more so I can get it. So they would turn to these people, their own countrymen, and they would say, all right, you owe probably twice or or more in taxes. They were left handicapped because they couldn't argue it. They couldn't fight it. Who are they going to fight? Rome, who was the governing agency or the governing force over them? So those tax collectors would not just get the money to Rome that was due them in taxes, but they would also increase the amount so they could pocket money as well. They were not just considered sellouts, but they were considered immoral. They were on the same spiritual level. They were on the same scale of morality as that of a harlot or prostitute. They were despised. And Jesus, The master teacher, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who had caused a hustle and a bustle over the religious world at that moment in that region. He walks over to one of the most socially, morally despised men in his area and says two words. Follow me. And this man that would have had every reason to not do it chose to respond immediately to that very simple call of Jesus Christ what to do, and who to do it to. The call was unexpected. It was unexpected in time. We're still on the first point. It was unexpected in its time. There's no record anywhere in here of a lead-up. Maybe there was. We don't know. All we get is this beautiful account of Jesus walking by, seeing this man whom he wants to be a follower of him, and says, follow me. And Matthew responds. It was not just uh, in time, but it was also odd in character and that Jesus would choose this man who was a moral outcast of the region, a moral outcast in society. And yet Jesus says, I want you to be one of my apprentices. I want you to be one of my followers. The, the last thing I want you to think about on this is that that simple call was accepted. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't put this long list out there in front of Matthew. That he didn't say, well, okay, Matthew, I want you to denounce your selling. I want you to go ahead right now before you can follow me and give back all the money that you took from all of these people. I want you, Matthew, to promise you will never ever do that again. No. There were no preconditions on following Jesus. There was a call extended. 
a call received, and a call accepted. Second thing I want you to see. This new beginning came after an old end. New beginning came after an old end. This could be one of the most important parts of this message this morning. This new beginning came on the heels of an old end. What do I mean? Think about this. In life, if you think about it, in life we experience many different cycles. There are always multiple cycles going on in our life. There are beginnings and ends, and they turn around to be new beginnings. If you think about it, every day is a cycle. It starts the same way. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and we're caught in the middle between that rising and that setting that we call day. We sleep at around the same time every day. It's part of our physical cycle of life. If you think about it, life and death and months and and, and, and all of these other encounters and routines in our life are all of these cycles, all of these things starting and coming at different moments in our life where they start and stop. There may be a new season in life or a new season in nature. And we're caught on this one spot in this timeline as all of these different cycles come in and affect our lives. Uh, granted, some of these cycles may have longer revolutions than others. Some may have shorter revolutions, but at any given moment in our life, we are in the process of multiple cycles going on at the same time. And here's set Matthew. A very lucrative position, though not a moral one. It was a lucrative position. He had a position. He had a job. He had all of these things. But when Jesus said, follow me, that was it. In order for him to have a new beginning, he had to have an old end. Think about this. He could not go two places at the same time. If he was going to follow Jesus and walk with him and learn from him, that meant there were other things he was not going to be able to do. Follow me meant you need to be where I am. That means you can't stay Matthew had to realize in order to have a new beginning I have to have an old end you know sometimes in our life sometimes in the ministry sometimes you as Christians you know this just living in the world you run into sometimes people who say that they're Christians they may be they may not be I don't know but they'll, they'll say that they're Christians and they, ex they express a real boredom with Christianity. Have you ever ran into those people? They, there is no excitement in their journey of faith. Uh, they seem to not have any real excitement over the things that God is doing in their life. And for them, it just seems like a bore. It seems kind of like a drag. They're kind of wondering, hey, where is all the excitement in this new life in Christ? And, and I just want to just stop here for a second. I want to park on this moment for ju just a second. I think Sometimes the reason we don't experience the excitement that comes from a, a journey of faith with Jesus Christ is because we may not really have had an old end. 
You know what I'm saying? We may not really be able to experience the excitement and, and, and the jubilation of this new beginning because we've never fully embraced this new beginning. We have never really let go of our old end. We are still the same people doing the, doing the same things, thinking the same way, acting the same way, only this time, every now and then, we, we talk about Christ. You know, I let my dog in last night. Had this epiphany. We have a dog. She's an inside slash outside dog. She's an outside dog until night comes. Scratches at the door. We let her in. Stays the night inside. In the morning, first thing, she's out. We don't see her you know, back in the house until the evening. And I heard her scratching and I was looking over my notes and everything and I get up and I go unlock the door and I let her in. She didn't ring the doorbell this time and I let her in and she gets down on the floor and I get down there and I'm loving on her a little bit, you know, and and playing with her just a little bit. And then I get back up and go back to my study. And I was looking over this very part, this very part of the message about how sometimes there's no excitement because we haven't really let go of the old end. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes people treat Jesus, sometimes I've treated Jesus like I do my dog. And I started thinking about that. Think about it for a minute. There are sometimes people who treat Jesus like your house dog. You let them in every once in a while, show them some affection. You expect him to keep you safe at night, but get angry when he gets too loud. You want him to be loyal and cost you very little, right? Sometimes that, that, that type of a relationship with Christ is not one that is going to be full of excitement. That, that, that type of a life with Christ is really nothing more than a hobby. That type of a relationship with Christ is not following him. Following Christ, I'll tell you this a hundred times, Following Christ is the most exciting adventure ever. You are literally walking by faith. You are literally experiencing a new, fresh life. You have now purpose to your moments. You now have joy within your heart. You now have a growing personal relationship with a God you can't see. It is exciting. And along that way, there are sprinkled both, both challenges and victories in which God is the Lord in every one of them. Maybe if you are bored with Christ, it's not because He's boring. It's maybe because you have never cut loose of that old end and you're still holding on to old thoughts, old resentments, old bitterness, old ways, old nature, and holding on to those old things rather than embracing the promises, embracing the truth, embracing the person of Jesus Christ and walking with Him and following Him. I want you to Think about Matthew for a minute. Because his end was a good end, a good bad end. Had he stayed in that receipt of customs, he would have had plenty of money. He would have had a position. Though he would have been a social outcast still, he would have had money and he would have had a position. Okay? So his end, what he was walking away from was what many people really want to hold on to. What many people will give a lot of things in order to have. And he walked away from it. But I know this is a mixed congregation. 
Mixed, you're in mixed cycles of life. You come from mixed backgrounds. And I just want you to know, think about this for a minute. You might not be looking back on your old end and say, man, that was really tough to give up. I had money, I had power, I had position, had popularity. I had all those things. And man, that was really tough to say, Jesus, I love you more than those things. Some of you may be coming from a background that was not pretty. Wasn't popular. Maybe you're coming from a background that wasn't fun at all. And you look back at that and you see the pain and the hurt and the struggles. And you look at that and then you hear that Jesus is coming by and says, follow me. Man, that's something that you don't have to think twice about. You know the great thing? Please hear this. You've heard me say, you've heard others, you've sang songs that says that Jesus takes our shame. Have you heard that before? That Jesus takes our shame. How does He do that? For those of you that look back on your life before Christ, maybe if you haven't trusted Christ, you're looking at your life right now and you're saying, God, I've, I've messed up. God, my, my life is not pretty. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of brokenness, God. Maybe like Matthew, you may be saying, I'm a social outcast. Nobody seems to care about me, not even in my own family. You may be struggling with some of those things. Are Statistically, you are. You know the great thing about Jesus taking our shame? Is once Jesus chose Matthew. Matthew wasn't attacked. Jesus was attacked for calling him. Now it was no longer about, oh my goodness, look at that. It was about Jesus. How, how could you be seen with tax collectors and publicans? The great thing about it is, once he became Jesus' follower, once he became part of the fold, once he became a disciple, the attack seemed to stop off of him and started going on Jesus. They couldn't believe that Jesus would be seen with him. They couldn't believe that Jesus would have him as a friend. They couldn't understand that Jesus would take this man who was a liar and a thief and and an all-around bad guy morally that Jesus would want to see him. So that's how Jesus takes our shame. That's one of the ways that Jesus takes our shame. Once I'm His, what can they say about me? They can say all they want to about the Lord who loved me and chose me and called me. They can talk about Him and you know what? He can handle Himself. He loves me. Nobody else in the world may, but He does. Then the shame is off of me. The name calling, the issues they have, they're no longer with me. They're with the one who called me to himself. Let me show you the third and final thing. The new beginning has a purpose. We often want to think about how things affect us. We want to make decisions in life based off of how they affect us. It is a wise person who is able to make decisions based off of generations yet to come. It is a wise person who is able to say, what does this do to me? Rather than just saying, what does this do about me? What is this? How does this affect me so that I may affect others? Matthew, his new beginning, was not just about him. It was not just about him. What's the first thing that he does? After he starts this new journey with Jesus Christ, what does he do? He calls all of his tax collector friends. 
all of the men that he had a relationship with that were lost, that were doing the same things as he was, who were in the same need of Jesus Christ and his salvation, what does he do? He throws a party. I want you guys all to come over to my house because I've got someone I want you to meet. You see, Matthew had a new beginning for the purpose of helping others have a new beginning in life. See, I know sometimes when I was graduating, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I struggled with the path of life. And I've learned since then, it's not so much the path of life I should be worried about. It's the purpose of life that I should be concerned with. If I get the purpose of life down, the path of life will work itself out. We look at it backwards. By the way, I can think of one, two, three people who have done more to introduce people to Jesus Christ outside of Jesus. I can think of three people that have done more than Matthew throughout history to bring people to Christ. Friends, his new beginning wasn't just him. It wasn't just, it didn't just extend to his lost tax collector friends. He co-wrote the gospel of Matthew. I say co-wrote because he wrote it with the Holy Spirit. He sat down and penned who Jesus was to give evidence to his Jewish brothers that this guy is the real deal. He is the Messiah. I would arguably say that millions have had a new beginning because Matthew, who had a new beginning and introduced his lost friends, began to record under inspiration of the Holy Spirit who Jesus was. This Sunday, somewhere in the world, Matthew is playing an integral role through his gospel in giving people new beginnings early in my ministry i met a young man who had messed up messed up in life his family had left him he was home alone and i remember one sunday after church he called me said pastor can you come over i want to talk with you that sunday afternoon i got in the car i went over to his house knocked on the door he said come in i went in and he was sitting in the living room with his bible open and a huge smile on his face i said what's going on and i called him by name I said, what's going on? Is everything okay? He said, Pastor, things have never been better. He said, I just started my relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, I just got saved. I said, well, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? You know, you didn't come forward at Sunday. You know, I didn't get to pray with you. How in the world could you be saved if a pastor doesn't pray with you, right? He said, Pastor, I just read Matthew. And I realized that Jesus is the Son of God. I would tell you that Matthew affected one million and one lives for Jesus Christ. Friends, if you have that new beginning, remember that new beginning was not just about you. It was about you being equipped and empowered to be able to go out into a world who is desperate for new beginnings. To run to those with bad ends and say, there's a new beginning. There is a new life in Jesus Christ. Christ, your life does not end with you. 
his life was poured into as many people as possible. I want to ask you for a moment. Would you just close your eyes with me? Isaiah 43, 19 says, please listen to these words very carefully. God says to his people through the prophet Isaiah, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, and do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You may be looking at your life and saying, God, I hear there's a new beginning, but I don't see how you're going to do it. Friends, that's up to him. That's, that's his realm, how to do it. He's been making rivers in the desert and mountains and valleys for centuries, since all of creation. And I want to ask you a really simple question this morning. Do you need a new beginning? If you